0: Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. This is arguably the best I felt about a Magic team since the 2010-2011 season, uh, probably right before the Atlanta Hawks upset us in the first round of that postseason. We're 15 and seven, protecting home court so far, and we're still the second seed in the Eastern Conference as of this recording. We have two studs in Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner, each averaging 20.7 points per game. In our franchise's history, the 35th season, 35 years, we've only had multiple teammates averaging over 20 points per game in a single season twice. Shaq and Penny did it in 95, and Shaq and Penny did it again in 1996. That's it. Franz and Paolo are 22 and 21 years old. Penny and Shaq in 93-94 season, their first season together, they were basically 22 and 21 years old as well. That was the first Magic team in franchise history to make the playoffs. We were the fourth seed and lost in just a brutally tight sweep to the fifth seed and more experienced Indiana Pacers. You know, We lost by one in game one at home, and then we lost I think by two in game two, and just didn't have enough steam in game three to extend that series further back when it was a best of five back then, but you know the next year obviously we'd get them back in the Eastern Conference finals and so there's there's a good path and a good story with that uh, i've been looking at this current magic team like they're the 2006 2007 magic with you know dwight Jameer, hito uh, you then would sign you bring in richard lewis that next offseason but really this current team is closer to the 93 94 squad that went 15 32 you have two beastly young talents potentially ready to take the league by storm. And that's exciting. Let's go. All the way, straight down the lane, the power jab. Point guard on a 7 6 nine. Here's Lewis turning when he shoots. Yes! What a Here's Turkaloo for the win. Oh! I have never seen anything like that. Oh my goodness. All right, we are recording this Sunday afternoon, December 10th. The Magic are over a quarter of the way through this 2023-2024 regular season. And we're in a pretty cozy spot at the moment. Uh, the last time we recorded, it was Black Friday night after we uh, we beat Boston here. And uh, since then, that six game win streak grew and got up to a franchise tying nine wins in a row. Uh, we unluckily did not make it into the in-season tournament quarterfinals due to what I'll call it a scheduling flaw. Uh, we then had fatigue and injury kind of influence some losses uh, in Brooklyn and Cleveland before uh bouncing back again at home by wrecking the Pistons on Friday. So, you know, we're getting some much needed rest now and over, you know, a good portion of this week as well. You know, we only got one game on Monday against the Cavs here before we have that Boston kind of uh doubleheader, we'll call it. So, um, Penny, just a few mu- minutes, just to kind of savor and appreciate this nine game win streak, because we're doing stuff we haven't seen or done in like a dozen years or more. Um, uh it like just even like the most random stuff, like Cole Anthony and that Hornets win that we had on November 26th. He had 30 points, seven assists, seven boards, two steals, and a block, make making him the second guy in NBA history to ever have that line off the bench. Um, the only other guy being Magic Johnson, which is just kind of ridiculous. It's Cole Anthony, Magic Johnson share something in common. So um, and Cole is in the six man award chase, he's probably a top three candidate right now. He's at 15.4 points per game, 4.6 boards per contest, 3.6 assists per game, 26 minutes per game. All those games have been off the bench so far. Uh 45% shooting from the field, 36 and a half from three. Penny, what, what what do we make of this nine-game win streak that we just went through, man? Because uh it, it was a long time coming.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest takeaway from for me, and and we've talked about it previously and and off air as well, is that I don't know that we necessarily saw a nine game win streak coming, but at the conclusion of the nine game win streak, I, I think the biggest thing and the biggest takeaway is that it's a good basketball team, uh, and it's a team that that again presumably is skipping a step in terms of its level of competitiveness and where we should project this team in the Eastern Conference um moving forward for the final three quarters of the of the season.
0: Yeah, and look with winning comes national recognition finally. Uh it's kind of weird kind of seeing it here because I mean there's magic players everywhere on you know Cole Anthony on the low post. Like we got Wagner Brothers on Barstool's show. Like there's they're everywhere. It's it's been it's been pretty Pretty cool to see for the most part. Um Paolo Bencaro won an Eastern Conference Player of the Week award in the middle of that. You know, he became the 13th player to ever win uh, an Eastern Conference Player of the Week award in Magic history. And he's the first Magic player to win Player of the Week since uh, Nikola Vucevic earned it in November of 2019. So uh Franz has, during this run, basically been sporadically getting nominated, it seems like, every week as well for this award. So, uh he hasn't gotten it yet but he he might not be too far from getting one as well. Um yeah, I mean uh, it's just breaking it all down like the Magic they finished no, the month of November 11 and 3. The Magic had not had an 11 win month since February of 2012 when Orlando went 11 and 4. Uh so again, you're going over a decade on that. The Magic had not had a month equal to or better than 11 and 3 since November of 2010 when we went 12 and 3 so that's 13 years there um magic went a perfect 6 and 0 on this latest homestand that they had you know from November 21st through December 1st it marked the longest undefeated single homestand in franchise history which is kind of nuts looking at, especially when you look at how we did it how we've how how many decent teams we've had in the past that a 6 and 0 homestand was our longest and our best i know we've had like seven and one homestands but this is the longest where we went perfect um the previous long was a five and oh homestand from the march 2019 uh season and that was a crazy end of that season how we made that run and and made it into the postseason but um yeah i don't know penny what what do you make of any of those figures and stuff you know it's you mentioned it that we're kind of skipping a step kind of in the process. Cause I I mentioned in the intro how, you know, I was comparing this team to the Oh six Oh seven magic. When maybe in reality, we need to compare these guys to the 93, 94 magic team where it's Shaq and Penny together for their first season. Like it's, it's something, man. It's, it's crazy. And it's, we're, we're a quarter of the way over a quarter of the way through the season. So this, this isn't like a bonus, small sample size. Like we've played 22 games and it's, it's been something so far.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, there's a caveat on that, on that home winning streak. Obviously we remember the, also the, you know, the 94, 95 team that went 39 and two. Yeah. Uh, over the course of the entire season at home, uh, with crazy arena, uh home court advantage there. But look, I mean, I don't know how much stock you put into the numbers and I'm, I'm not sure how they tabulate it, but I think just, today in fact the basketball reference twitter account x account the magic have a 95 percent playoff appearance uh percentage right now I, i'm
0: not buying into that no. i don't i'm, I'm not I, like that's that's a crazy you know i know historically in magic history when we've started a season this well i i think we've made the playoffs every time um the, the interesting thing to
1: me, I think, is that, and I, I, me, I guess, I'd like to get your take. The, the Steve Clifford teams that made it to the playoffs, one of them above 500, were, and obviously the, you know, the Toronto series and the DJ Augustine shot are uh, a memorable moment in franchise history, but there, there was no, that was not building towards something. So we're kind of washing away even those playoff appearances and that there was no upward mobility with, with those teams objectively. Right. We hope that we could steal a game, steal a series or whatever, but it definitely feels different this time to your point. I think it, it might even align with that 93 team where, you know, you're, you're, you're on the Ascension Um, And you're really essentially putting the league on notice with, uh, you know, a young core that's only going to get better and uh, a pathway to assemble around
0: them. Uh, Would you agree that the Chick-fil-A fourth quarter free chicken giveaways are working for the free throws? Because they basically took it from the Sixers. I know other teams did it, but it was specifically inspired by the Philly trip we went on last (laughs) last season where it – it was noticeably noticeably louder with the crowds when you know they're they're extra invested in making you miss a free throw in the fourth quarter. Like it's working, right? when we only have one loss at, at home in our building anyway.
1: People like free food, they love free chicken. Uh, and it's nice to see I think sometimes the magic uh, in like game operations and stuff can be a little bit stuck in the mud. so it's nice to see them incorporate something that actually, also helps to make a difference in, you know, in the outcome of the game. That's a, that's a point swing, which can be, uh, extremely important, uh, as we move forward, maybe get a little extra oomph with the, with the cows and stuff.
0: You have a favorite, um, magic national appearance, be it player coach or whatever. So far, I think mine is Cole Anthony on the low post where, <laughs> when, when Zach was basically bringing up the Celtics a little bit, and and like why we're like we're extra amped up, how he meant how immediately Cole Anthony mentioned Eddie House and brought that up, and uh, I I think that's been my favorite. I don't know if you got a preference for for any of them because there's been a lot of national appearances.
1: Yeah, and I I think they're going to keep coming, right? Um, I, mean, I mean, they we're, should. We're we're saying it's not a mirage that we should look forward to some more good content. Um, I think the. I've liked some of the profile articles on Mosley that the national writers have been doing you and I specifically me uh, and specifically regarding the bell and the practice facility. It certainly gave him a lot of guff, but uh, you really can't argue with the cohesion of the team, the love and care of the team uh, and that tight bond that's been reflected um, and is reflected in the record right now too.
0: So this you and I are going to have to talk this over now because it's just popped in my head, but you know how fans and people have been wanting the magic to kind of replicate what the, like the Sacramento Kings beam. I feel like we have to make like a gigantic blue bell somewhere um, <laughs> and like, li- like put a TG Lee sponsored d- logo on it, put it up in like the TG Lee factory or something down in the milk district. And like for every magic when like you ring the shit out of this thing and you can hear it from miles out like i don't know if that's illegal any of that but um i'm sure there's a better idea but you know we the ring the bell things a thing and i mean even the cavs told that from us you know they created their beam but the whole you know the whole kings coaching staff stole mosley's bell idea apparently so um but yeah, it's, you know, you and I w- aren't the most excited about the bell, but if the team has loved it and, I mean, the results are there, then you kind of need to start leaning into it a little bit. That's my thought on that, I guess. But um speaking of Mosley, he won Eastern Conference Coach of the Month for October, November. Uh, Mosley, the sixth Magic head coach ever to win Coach of the Month. He's the first since Steve Clifford to win the award. I mean, before Mosley and Steve Clifford, the other four were uh, Scott Skiles, Stan Van Gundy, Brian Hill, and Johnny Davis won a coach of the month award, which I did not remember that. I don't know if you did, but um, I don't know if the monthly award. Yeah. What was that? Those
1: those are the ones that we're worried about, right? Like the Scott Skiles one, one before
0: the, the, the trip before the London trip,
1: we were good. And the Johnny Davis one also in November, um, Wait, and again, I think he ended up actually getting fired later uh in that season. I, it, I th- it had to have spin. been.
0: It had yeah. to have been. Yeah. So uh
1: we're impressive for Mosley. And again, I, I think we're we're not quite there, but I'm gonna stamp of approval that that this is gonna be something that we're continuing on for the for the course of the year and not just a hot start.
0: Hopefully. I mean he's he's got everything set in place, man, just with how you know, he's a players coach, like the players love him. The players going into the training camp knew that they had to have fairly positive results for him to keep his job because they know how the league works and how just a rough run of form could can, can change everything like that. So, you know, the players have bought in and Mosley seems to be improving. And we, you know, one of the things was how worried were we going to be that Nate Tibbets was gone? It doesn't seem to be a huge issue at the moment right now. Um, and Mosley just seems to be improving. And that's kind of what you want uh, from him as a coach. You know, I don't know if the monthly award went away in the 90s or if basketball reference just doesn't have them listed at all. But I did find it interesting that Doc Rivers didn't have a Coach of the Month award. And I just, I don't know if it existed because Doc Rivers was Coach of the Year in 99, 2000. So that that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. But um, do we think Jamal is the favorite for Coach of the Year right now, Penny? Like, it's... It's basically down to, what, him, Finch, and Minnesota, and what, Dagnall and OKC are up there, but you got to think Mosley's the favorite right now.
1: Certainly, at least uh, him and Finch are, I would say, uh, in a tier above the rest. There was a very interesting stat the other day I saw on the Timberwolves, which uh, obviously Finch has done a, a great job there, but they had spent more time this season uh, in the first place, in the Western Conference, than they had for the entirety of the existence of their also 35-year-old franchise. So Jesus, that's uh, oh my pretty, god, that's insane. Pretty, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty crazy start to uh, start to the season for them to kind of get Gobert and Towns uh, palatable. You know, what they couldn't quite do last season. Um, and they're still on the ascension too. Obviously with Anthony, Anthony Edwards, but pretty great, great coaching all the way around for both of the, the uh, eighty nine clubs.
0: All right, let's talk in season tournament because we we didn't really talk about it much after we we got out of that Celtics win that we went to and quickly did the pod at Sideward Brewing. Like we, you know, we knew we were three and one, but we had to wait a couple days. Because we we had played all our games, we had to wait on a couple more games to be played that Tuesday, and to know if we were even going to progress or not. Because you know, odds were in our favor that we were, but uh, knowing what we know now, you know, it just it it just didn't you know we didn't we didn't progress into the quarterfinals. Um, you know, the Magic they finished in second, second place in Group C with a three and one record. Uh they were five points behind the Celtics on the point differential tiebreaker because we were in that three-way tie with uh with Brooklyn and and Boston and Group C. So point differential factored in. Um and Boston and Brooklyn knew what they had to do against the Bulls and uh and the uh, and the Raptors, you know. Um and that's the advantage of playing last is you you know by how much you got to win by or what results kind of got to go in your favor. Whereas you know the Magic didn't have any of that going for them, and they didn't get to play on the last day. And the Magic they finished third in the wild card standings. Basically, the Magic had to get in as group winners because the Knicks had such a good uh, a better point differential tiebreaker. And we all knew they were going to blow blow the doors off that Charlotte Hornets team that final night. So. You know, we were twenty points behind the Knicks in the end, uh, in that point differential tiebreaker for the wild card. I'm not gonna fret much over not making this first in season tournament quarterfinals. You know, the Magic, they they played well, you know. We had that stumble out of out of the gate against Brooklyn, but then, you know, we 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 knocked off wins against you know, the Bulls, the Raptors, and then the big one against Boston. And I you know we figured out and we see now everyone's recognized that there's some in season tournament system flaws and that's a big reason why the magic didn't progress with scheduling. Would you agree or disagree on that, penny?
1: Yeah, I, and I'm sure we'll cap uh, this segment with uh, overall improvement, but that that seems like the glaring one is at least the each group should probably play the games at the same time, uh, or at least the final games of the different group members should be should be they should be. Uh, maybe, you know, four which is impossible because
0: of how the groups are right now. Right. Five yeah, teams a group. Yeah. So the, one of the suggestions is changing yeah. up the format where you have six teams in a group, you know? Yeah. Um, so five groups of six, uh, I think I saw Bill Simmons tweet that, um, honestly, I'd be it cause you need to have everybody playing at the same time on the final night. Cause that's how it works in any other like soccer group state. Like if you look at like champions league, like if you look at the world cup, like, even basketball world cup, like they play them all together at the same time. And um, that's, you got to find a way to somehow do that. Um, Very quickly. Yeah. Your, your take
1: on uh point differential and that also continuing into the next seasons and season tournament.
0: Uh, I'm fine. In, I saw, yeah. I saw i P- I'm fine with leaving it, leaving the tiebreakers as they are. I know there's some people that don't like it. Obviously the magic, they were at a disadvantage in this instance, but you know, and then coaches and players were upset. You know, just play your ass off and don't get your ass beat. Like as much as disappointing and and kind of messed, weird it was, bizarre watching live as the Celtics are committing Hackett Drummond to Andre Drummond when they're up by like thirty or thirty-two points, knowing that they had to win by at least like twenty-three, whatever. It it was, biz- and Billy Donovan is like steaming, and like Joe Mazzulla has to walk over to calm him down a little bit, like you know what you just got to be a better team and just not get your ass kicked that that's what it comes down to and you know the magic kind of admitted themselves to themselves that like at least for that first game against Brooklyn uh where we lost like m- m- they didn't really have point differential in mind um mosley might have you know d- looking at how they he how, how he treated the lineups at the end of towards the end of that game um but you can see point differentials gonna matter, and going forward, I think everyone's gonna know ahead of time that it's gonna matter. And look, it might lead to more blowouts like this, but and chippiness, but you know that teams just gotta play. That's it. Like I don't want like having like a twenty five point cap on point differential, or whatever. Like I just point differential makes sense to me. I don't know what what what's your viewpoint on it. No, I like it. I think it adds
1: uh, a different element um, in watching the game as a fan that you don't get, obviously on a normal regular season night. And look, the this is a an overarching overwhelming success. I don't think the league could have uh, <laughs> certainly with the team that ended up winning the cup uh, was successful for the league, but uh, every metric that you look at, so, would, would expect it to come back with tweaks, but I, I think there was enough money generated that you're going to see the courts again. Uh, you're going to see special courts again in some form or fashion. I think that'll be an annual thing. Uh, do you think the prize pool will get elevated next year?
0: I mean, I don't think so. I don't think they needed to do it right. Like they, like the money's, you know, 500k even to millionaires like it was weird listening to d'angelo De- russell talk about like oh i can use this for like a vacation or like a car or like uh you know whatever and it's <laughs> like it, to you and i that's kind of like well yeah sure you know um but it's still motivation it is because these guys like sometimes they do plan out their vacations like a year or two in advance depending just on their schedules of being pro athletes and and doing all the public appearances that they do and, and all that. So, um, you know, I, I get it, but it seems like the motivation's there and it it just helped that every player seemed to be pretty much bought in early on. And at least by the end of it, like they were definitely bought in, like it worked out the league got what they wanted at the end. Um, I think the cool
1: thing is that to your point, the magic, not really understood, you know, that, that first game, uh, next season, I think every, group will be keyed in and and locked in for the start of the cup um with a little extra juice for those that we didn't quite see this time around as people kind of got their footing and understood what was happening
0: yeah i mean look halliburton is now a more known star because of this tournament um and then lebron and the lakers just taking this seriously and winning it's just that that's big you know lebron is still considered the biggest star in the league um the Lakers are the best. The, 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 by far Las Vegas's favorite NBA team is the Lakers. Like had the Lakers not been in Vegas, attendance could have been sketchy for that. Um, but it, it worked out. So I don't know if they continue doing it in Vegas in the future. It seems like players are motivated to be in Vegas. I mean, Austin Reeves got hung over before the final and he still played well. But um <laughs> players get motivated by Vegas, you know. That's you know that that's just how it is. I would I would like to see if you're going to do neutral sites, just put them in cities that don't have NBA teams. But if, if players really only get excited for like Vegas, then just do it for, in Vegas for now. But, and again, this, this thing should be a complete separate competition on its own, like shorten the regular season of 66, 72 games. They're never, they're never going to do that though. So the format as it is, like it worked out, like make some group tweaks, make some, some scheduling tweaks and, it's gonna be better next season. Um and no red courts you, for fuck's sake. Can you imagine? Yeah. The the I the red court and
1: even the semifinal and final court, the red and blue, I get east and west conference, but red is just tough. But could you all right, let's say they up the prize to 750 a man next season, mm-hmm. but let's say they do the semifinal and final in Seattle. Can you imagine like the atmosphere in a in a basketball star city like that? Or any you know any other city that's like on the precipice or has the arena that's hoping for an expansion team where you're rotating kind of that final every year until they uh come into the league would be would be cool too I mean let's
0: be honest if the semifinals in Seattle like you're gonna have like Paolo Bencaro busting his ass to make it to Seattle for that semifinal like he's gonna want want to play in that thing so um not that he wasn't busting his ass anyway but like yeah, that's yeah. We'll we'll leave it at that. Um look, the good news about the Magic not making the quarterfinals and not making it to Vegas for the semis and the final whatever, like the Magic gained some rest out of it basically. Just how the schedule ended up playing out like and then and a game out, against Detroit. <laughs> and you get a game against Detroit that we needed cuz we you know, we lost the game in Cleveland um which was always going to be a tough game anyway, but with the injuries and stuff, uh, you know, that was always going to be tough. The only good thing about that loss in Cleveland on Wednesday was Paolo becoming the second youngest magic player ever to drop 40 points in a game. Shaq being the youngest, like, you know, he beat out McGrady by like five months, which is insane. Did Paolo. So, um, you know, he had 42 in that Cleveland game and he was the only bright spot in that loss really. Um, But, you know, we, we got that Detroit home game and we kicked Detroit's ass and, that was the benefit of not making it into the quarterfinals and the semifinals, you know, of, of the in-season tournament. So it worked out any final in-season tournament thoughts or just keep it moving. I, I just
1: think, I think it ended up being really cool. I think it was yep. cool for the magic too. We got the Boston Knight out of it and kind yep. of that uh, continuing to build that momentum. So looking forward to next year and we'll probably be in a good position uh, in a good group with a chance to go far next year.
0: Yep. So, we're fifteen and seven at the moment. We're second in the East as we speak. We're two games ahead of my forty-five win prediction pace, which is sick. But you look at that schedule, and this is where you're glad to be eight games over five hundred, uh, because the rest of this month and all of January is going to be difficult, both opponent-wise, travel-wise. If we can go five hundred between now and through the end of January, you know you're still probably going to be a top six seed in the East, and you've got two all-star weekend selections potentially in play with both Paolo and Franz. Um, but we, we need Markel and Wendell back. Like we've done awesome without them. Both Goga and Anthony black have really done about what you can hope and expect from what, what, what they can bring. Like they've, especially in Goga's case, but like those Brooklyn and Cleveland losses of late without Wendell and Markel, And then, not having Jonathan Isaac and then Suggs is severely being severely limited with injuries or not being able to play. Like it's becoming too much to overcome at this point. Like, look at just look at the upcoming three weeks now that we have, you know, you have the Cavs here, then Boston, Boston, Miami, Milwaukee, Indiana, the wizards. First night of a back-to-back six or second night of a back-to-back. Then you got the Knicks and then new year's Eve. You're in Phoenix to start off a West coast trip. Like, that is a rough three weeks. It's and it's a gauntlet you don't want to be going into with four important players missing. Like we've been able to do about as amazing as you can hope and expect without these without these guys, but you can't mentally just deal with this. You know, with, with much longer, I don't think. Like it's it's starting to weigh thin with these with these two losses that we had of late. Like. I don't know. What's your viewpoint on, on, on this part of the schedule? Because people were talking about how, you know, the first 20 games were going to be tough and I, I did not buy it. And thankfully the team didn't like they didn't mentally like succumb and settle to just being like, Oh, we should just try and be 500. They, they saw the schedule and they saw the opportunity and they took their cohesion. They took just their awesome chemistry as a team and they utilized it as an advantage to get some of these games here out of the gate but now you can only ride that for so much. Like other teams are finally getting better. They're catching up. And so you just need your bodies back. Like you're you're we're missing three starters basically at the moment. And so uh and a really, really, really good defensive bench player. Um Yeah, yeah I mean I, that's I what we, we gotta
1: start well, the Pistons are are their own entity this year We held them under a hundred points, but that really doesn't count. Um you're, the proof is in the pudding, let's say, the last week or so with kind of the defensive slippage. And, uh, you know, even at 15 to 19 minutes a game, you can probably attribute uh, uh, certainly to Jalen Sugg's injury and in, in limited time, uh, but also to the absence of Jonathan Isaac, which now you get to start thinking about that long term. I think going into the season probably let's say the brass and the front office and the coaching staff maybe expected more from J.I. than the fans did. Now the fans are counting on his uh, contributions nightly. And now you're going back to kind of that day-to-day designation every single day, every single game, which makes it tough. Um Great, great news is that we banked a lot of wins uh, in previous years. We haven't had that cushion to ride out some of the harder s- stretches in the schedule and some of the uh, lackluster play where you're stringing a couple losses together. Um, schedule's tough. you got to get Cleveland payback tomorrow night to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to win that one. Hope that you split Boston. Um i mean what hey we won both last year man look well yeah
0: look uh, look, at at a
1: certain point boston's gonna start getting up for the orlando games too because there's a lot of pride there
0: yeah look having said all i said about you know you'd like to go through this stretch through january 500 you know and still being eight games over 500 coming out of january you know coming out of january into february but like you still can't mentally like succumb and settle like this is you, you got to keep believing you're a good team. You got to keep fighting through it. You know, Mosley had a really good quote where he just he, he's saying, keep being greedy. That's what he's been telling these guys here and there during this this stretch of the season so far. And we belong as long as we believe we belong. And as long as we keep working hard and doing the things that got us to this position. You know, it's easier said than done, but you got to just keep at keep doing what got you here. And if they keep doing that, we're going to be OK it's going to be messy at times. You're going to have some ugly losses here and there just because of the quality opponents and just the bang, bang, bang of like a good team coming every single night now. Um, But we got two stars at the moment. Like we've got two studs. You got Paolo and Franz who after sort of slow starts by their standards, have been carrying us and they've each played all 22 games. They're each averaging 20.7 points per game, which is kind of crazy. And, you know, hopefully they can some they can keep staying healthy and keep playing every game because they have been the ones that have helped us kind of ride out these injuries because Bolton Wendell, they've each only played five of the 22 games this season. Um, and, you know, I'm seeing fans being really impatient and antsy in relation to Hill. Knee tendinitis is not a small thing. Like, he, he's not fully healthy. He can't be out there. I hope we see him soon because we need his ability to just keep our offense flowing. But... You know he's a free agent in the summer and he's losing money the longer he sits out. So hopefully he can get back healthy with Wendell. We've always thought that we were looking at a Christmas return and I'd say that's kind of where we're still at with the hand healing and all that. Both of them, they've been kind of practicing working out doing stuff. So they have both kind of ramping up here and there. So hopefully we see them soon. Um, But as solid as Goga and Mo have been like a healthy Wendell does things that those two can't on the floor. And Suggs, he just missed the Detroit game as he's been gimpy, um, you know, ankle, leg, whatever. Hopefully he's good for this Cavs rematch. We're going to need him for that Mitchell Garland backcourt. Um, And then with Isaac, he's played 15 of the 22 games, which he's still looking okay from over under 49 and a half games. He's looking okay, but... We need him, and we need we need his, and we need Jalen's defense to take down some of these just behem- behemoth offenses, and uh, that are coming our way. And so, yeah, what's your viewpoint on any of that rundown stuff? Yeah, I mean, look,
1: the, uh, Wendell got off to a pretty terrible start this year before the hand injury, and I think that has uh, maybe sullied what what fans think of him as compared to the previous three years of his importance and what he's able to do. Certainly Goga and Mo have stepped up uh, probably beyond what we anticipated. But to your point, again, the the reinforcements are going to come back hopefully soon, and it's going to really buoy the team through this stretch, um, just in terms of even a fresh body that hasn't been through the grind in the same way of the last six weeks, you know. Um there's a difference when you're putting those uh, heavy game minutes on on the legs uh, night in and night out. But Wendell, I think, is going to come back and, and probably remind a lot of fans uh, of what he's capable of that maybe they forgot about in the last uh, – since he went down
0: and, and the bad start. All right, I have two more things before we get out of here because um... – all right, we gotta talk about the Magic's updated victory song because we kinda mentioned it. We've kind of talked about it, but not really on the pod. And it didn't need they didn't need to tweak the original song. Like, you don't need to tweak the original song. Um, that's why I tweet out the original when we win. And like th- there's no need for the the for, for the remix, basically. Like, I appreciate the artist that put in the work to to do it, but it didn't need it. It's worse than the original song. Just play the original song. Any thoughts on that?
1: Um, the interesting thing is that they're collaborating with the AO, the producer, the homegrown local star, who's actually, um, going to have a new studio inside the Beecham downtown in Orlando. Um, so, you know, I don't know the, the original, I look, Philly doesn't have to update the song that they play to close out a win. We didn't need to update ours. Uh, but i get that everything is uh tiktokified now so the yeah the original's better there's more i like the i like the uh the words to the song that we don't hear on, really uh on the updated version but yeah the updated ones fit for a 10 second clip at the end of a win i guess from the uh yeah from
0: the i account. guess i guess but yeah look the thing with the look i i, lo- I do like when it's when it when they're just playing out the 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 beat like the just the beat part just like when they're just repeating that part part of it as as like the after the end of basically what they've played the updated song just the beat part of it that's fine but there's the rest no so right. Give us um, the full lyrics. Yeah. All right. Last topic. And I'm just curious, wh- what do we think of the Valley sports broadcast this season? Cause we've, you know, we've soaked in soaked it in and we've had changes. Ty Easton was on the Orlando magic pod squad talking about how basically the Mexico city <laughs> game was like the roughest game of their lives. And I mean, it that was, that wasn't the cleanest broadcast. They know it. And you know, you do what you can do, but um, you know, we've had Dante Marchitelli calling some road games instead of David Steele. We love Dante, I love Dante. You know, I we know each other, you know, it's Dante, I've been a fan of his since him and George Galante were in the we in the RDV Sportsplex calling Summer League games. Like I loved it. It's a completely different style from how David Steele calls games. My one critique for Dave, for Dante would just be you don't have to constantly talk, you know. He he has the the same kind of tick worry that I have where I don't like it's okay to let the action just breathe a little bit, even let Jeff talk a little bit more. Even Um, Dante's just doesn't like dead air when dead air is okay. When you're, when you're calling a TV game, it's okay. So, um, and then Kendra Douglas, she's starting to find her groove doing, doing the sideline reporting. Like it, it has, I, I, I've i been hoping for some better questions here and there. I'll, I'll, you know, but she's, she's starting to get it. Um, I'm trying to think to like past sideline reporters, obviously like Paul Kennedy is like the pinnacle of, in magic history basically. But um, you know, Kelly Nash was really good in her short time with us. Um, oh, Jessica Blaylock was really good and underrated when we look at it, go, you know, in her short time that she had with us, but it just takes time. we will figure out um, just enjoy David Steele while we got him. Cause he's been with the magic for 35 years, both radio and TV and It's okay if he takes some road games off. It's okay. If that helps him prolong his career for a long time, that's fine. But any thoughts, Penny?
1: Yeah, a lot of other teams with long-standing broadcasters or color commentators, uh, they've started to slide more to just doing the home games than the travel, obviously. Ian Eagle's fucking son
0: is calling games for Brooklyn. Like, what the hell, man?
1: Um, We Obviously, we've been spoiled uh, and also accustomed to a, a david Steele called game on on tv for the last you know 30 years give or take yeah. um so any stylistic difference certainly gets noticed um you remember when like scott and used to fill in and stuff That yeah. there's a fine line between calling a game for radio and tv that i think when you make that slide over you gotta uh, realize that people can see the action too you don't need to say as much but it's a it's a fine line uh, and certainly a, a honed craft so um, don't don't hate the style Uh certainly I'm, it's not, just I'm different. not a professional
0: I'm not anyone to <laughs> well yeah stone. that's well that's the other thing it's but tough shit to do any of that yeah there's uh, there's there's
1: improvements to be made across the board but we're still lucky in that Uh, Our A team, our B team, and our C team, I think, are a notch above a lot of the other pairings across the league.
0: All right, Penny, I got nothing else, man. So what are we looking for? A a revenge win, hopefully, against Cleveland Monday night. And then, I mean, yeah, we'd like – we'd obviously, you want to win both Boston games, but I think we'd be more than fine with a split, right, in Boston? Yeah, let's –
1: let's uh revenge against cleveland let's split the pair and then let's see where we're at at the end of december looking into january
0: all right well that's going to do it for this episode uh if you're still listening we thank you very much for your time we are the longest running magic podcast show in existence i'm going to start pushing that out into the universe (laughs) so any added support is much appreciated uh subscriptions high ratings uh positive comments they all help this podcast ranking immensely tweet us any of your questions and feedback penny what's your twitter handle? at spencer strode no c's just s's and i'm at papa giorgio mbo with that take care let's go magic